Welcome to Living in Victory with Pastor Sonny Argonzoni, your weekly podcast. Today we begin a series that will challenge you to grow in your faith and keep you walking in victory. Here is today's message from the Argonzoni Archives. Give me the words to speak to these men. You know the needs in their lives. You know their desires. You know their wants. You know their thoughts. And I pray that this morning, that before we leave this place, you've been speaking to us in every session, Lord, but that before we leave this mountaintop and we go into the, back into the valley, that we will not leave the same, but that there'll be a confirmation, not only confirmation, rededication, and that everything that we have received in this retreat may be sealed that we may go forth and, and know that we are a chosen people, that we are a forgiven people, that we are people that have been selected and we are people that have been divinely selected, divinely chosen to accomplish a task at this day and hour that we're living in. And we will continue to give you the praise and glory for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, this is our closing session, and I want, want to say that this has been a tremendous, tremendous retreat. A tremendous retreat. We've been able to see God moving in such a beautiful and special way. Message after message has been messages that the Lord has been speaking to us. I understand on, on the first night, Pastor Ray, he went ahead, Brother Ray, and he ministered, and then others have been ministering, and it's just been a tremendous time in the Lord. Now, this is the last session, and after this session, we're going to be going back, and we're going back into the valley. We're going back again, and we'll be confronting all the situations that we have back home, our responsibilities, our different jobs. And so many things that we have to confront. We have to confront sin, temptation, hurts, people that are hurting, and so many things that we have to confront. Now, this morning in, clo in this closing session, I was asking, well, what, what should I speak on? And there was different subjects that I was looking at. But I felt that this morning I'd like to speak to you, and I would like to bring out how God is able to restore a person. How God is able to take the down and outer and how God is able to take the failure, people that have completely failed, and He's able to restore them again. In other words, what I want to point out this morning is that there is hope for everybody. And if you're here, and since you are here because you're hearing me, and if you're here this morning, right? Sometimes you're here bodily, but you're not here. But all of you that are here this morning, then it's because God wished it for you. It was God's will for you to be here. And, and because you're here, it shows that God wants to do something very special within your life. Now, there are many characters in the Word of God that I could talk about. But I would like to talk a little bit, I would like to talk about two, two people in God's Word. 
I would first like to talk about a man that was a man that was chosen of God. He had a tremendous opportunity and God chose him by his divine grace. God chose this man, but this man failed miserably. And even in spite of his failure, God was able to raise him up and restore him and make him a man of God. Actually, a man after God's own heart. And this is found in 2 Samuel chapter 11. And it's the story of David. David, King David. And then after, I would like to talk to you a little bit uh, I would like to talk to you about the Apostle Paul and some of the qualities that the Apostle Paul had, the characteristics that we find in the life of the Apostle Paul that made him a powerful, dynamic, powerful man of God that God used in such a tremendous way. Now, here in chapter 11 of 2 Samuel, we find the story of David. David became a backslider. David backslid. And I am sure that those of you that have been struggling in your Christian walk, there are times when you struggle that the devil tells you that there is no hope that you'll never make it. In fact, what the enemy wants to do, he's always out to destroy us. He's always out to bring us to that place that we'll be able to give up and we say we can't make it, it's no use. I'll never be able to be used of God. God could never use me. But over here in the story of David, we find an encouraging passages here. We find a God that is a merciful God, a God that is a loving God. And there's a number of things that we could learn from the life of David. First of all, we find... David defected. He was a defector. And you find, first of all, in this story, that backsliding does not uh, occur suddenly. Backsliding doesn't happen all of a sudden. You find people many times that they're following the Lord, and then in a moment's time, all of a sudden they leave the Lord. And you say, well, how did that happen? I mean, the guy seemed like he was doing good. It seemed like he really loved God with all of his heart, but all of a sudden he leaves God and he backslides and leaves the church and goes back to his old way of living. Well, if you take a close look in the life of that individual, you will find that there are some things that took place over a period of time. There was an erosion that was taking place within his life throughout a period of time. In other words, a little compromise is always followed by a second and then still a larger one. And this is what we find in the life of David. David, it says, it came to pass after the year that was expired, at the time when kings went forth to battle, instead of being in the battlefield, you know, I think David got a little bit weary of constantly being in the battlefield, constantly being in the face of battle that it says when the kings go forth to battle what it's really telling us the word of God that his place was to be in the face of battle his place was to be in the front line but instead of being in the front line the Bible tells us when the kings 
at the time when the kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servant with him and all Israel. And then it says, But David tarry still at Jerusalem. So the first indication of David's downfall is that David was not in the place that he should have been. He should have been in the battlefield. He should have been leading his army. He should have been in the heat of the battle. He should have been in the front lines. But instead, we find that David remained in Jerusalem. But David tarried still in Jerusalem. Now, at this point, David found himself in a very, very vulnerable situation. You see, we're not as strong as we think we are. What does the Bible say? Watch out, because when you think you're strong, watch out. That's when you have to be careful, lest you fall. We are the strongest, and the strongest time in our lives is when we realize that by ourselves we can't do nothing, that we're weak, and that we need God with all of our hearts. And we need God, and we need the strength of God. That's when we're the strongest. The danger in our lives is after we learn a few verses. After you've been saved for a little while. You see, when, when I first got saved, man, I was hanging on. You know, you, you, you ever feel like that? You, you're so tempted by the world, and the world is trying to pull you back, and you have a constant battle. You, you're not, you haven't even adjusted to the Christian life yet. So you know that, man, I don't know if I'm going to make it. You know, when they did the cross... When they first came out with the cross and the switchblade, they wanted to put my story in the cross and the switchblade. And I was, just, I was just saved. I was just converted. Only about, oh, I would say about a month and a half or so. And they wanted to put my story in the cross and the switchblade. And they called me over to the office in New York City, John Sherrill's office. He was the publisher and also the writer. And they called me to that office and they said, listen, we want to put your story. Would you tell us your story? And, you know, I started thinking, and I said to myself, man, you know, I'm not going to give them my story. I'm not going to tell them everything about myself so that they could put it in the book. What will happen if, uh, you know, the reason why I didn't want to, because I was thinking, I said, I'm here now, but I don't know where I'm going to be tomorrow. Right now, I'm fine, and I'm in the Teen Challenge Center, and I'm, you know, I'm praying with these people and I'm hanging out with these people, but I don't know, it just may be that maybe next month I'll be back again in the streets of Brooklyn shooting heroin into my veins. And what's going to happen? That whole book is going to be circulated and everybody's going to be reading about me and I just went ahead and I pulled all my covers myself. So instead of doing that, I actually even David Wilkerson got angry. He didn't understand because I made a big scene. David has me over there, and everybody's there, and they say, okay, uh, tell, me, tell your story. And then the guy tells me, okay, tell me, tell me all about this. How long have you been using drugs? How many times have you arrested? And man, I mummed up, you know. I suddenly, I said, wait, no, no, no. I, what is this all about, I said. And they said, well, we, we're going to put, don't you want your story in the book? We're writing, David Wilkerson's writing a book. And I said, no, no, I can't do that. I can't give my story. And then uh, John Sherrill came out and told David, listen, you, you, he's not ready. He don't, he don't want to give his story. And I walked out, man. I walked out. I said, I'm not about to give my story. And the reason why was because I wasn't sure of my salvation. 
I wasn't sure that I was able to make it. I mean, I have the assurance that, that God was able to keep me from falling. And that kept me on my knees. Before I left the, the center, I'd be on my knees. I prayed before I left. I prayed when I came back. Uh, I constantly on my knees. And my prayer was, oh, God, help me. It was a prayer of, keep me. Oh, God, don't let me go. Oh, God, give me strength. Oh, God, please don't turn me away. Oh, God, please help me. Constantly, I was, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. <laughs> Until finally, I came to that place of understanding. I learned a few scriptures. I learned, you know, that, that God had keeping power, that he that is within us is greater than he who is in the world. And then after that time, I began to really enjoy my Christianity. I realized, hey, wait a minute. The power that I have on the inside is greater than the power that is in the world. But you see, after a period of time, my danger point was seven months after I was saved is when I began to get comfortable. And I thank God that they were able to see it. Uh, Wilkerson was able to see it, and Nikki was able to see it. And they put me on a plane and they shipped me out here to go to Bible school because I was really in a very heavy danger point, danger area of my life because I began to become complacent and I became comfortable. And it is a danger, my friend, listen to me very closely, that God has never intended for us to be satisfied, complacent, and comfortable. The day that you become complacent, the day that you become satisfied, the day that there isn't that hunger inside of you, that's the day, that's the day that you're in the most dangerous uh, time of your life. I believe that we always need a challenge with inside of us. We need to be pressing and we need to know that our battle, there's a battle, there's a constant battle that is raging against the enemy and we are declaring war against the enemy and that God has placed us in the front line and that there's a work and there's a job and there's a plan that God has for our lives. And when we know that, that's what keeps us pressing us on. Now, there are some of you here this morning that you have found out by experience that you make it for a certain time and then you fall back again on your face. I've seen guys that you would call them habitual backsliders. Habitual backsliders. I mean, they have a jacket and they have a reputation that even when they get saved, they said, you could even, some guys, you could even, you, you, could, you look at the calendar and you say, well, this is about the time that this brother's coming back. You know, they come for about four months five months or six months then they go back into the world and then they stay out for a period of time and they come back again but there's been some guys that by going through that routine of backsliding have not made it back again how many guys i've seen and i've gone ahead and i've attended their funerals of of people that at one time had a precious beautiful experience and because of backsliding because of always going back because of not being consistent because of not having a, a solid and dynamic experience in their life, they have gone back into the world, and in one of those times that they went back into the world, they were lost for eternity. The devil came, the devil snuffed them. I've been to funerals like that. Not too long ago, there was a funeral like that of a young man that was a preacher. He was one of the preachers in our fellowship. A preacher, listen, 
The other day there was a funeral. One of the pastors in our fellowship, he used to be a pastor at one time in our fellowship, and he died of an overdose. They found him in the bathroom, uh, toppled over. He had died from taking an overdose of heroin into his veins. How many friends of mine that started out, I've been in Christianity now for about, I don't know, 20-something years, and I've seen many guys that have started out on fire. But because of playing games, because of not fully committing their lives to Jesus Christ, because of, of being habitual backsliders, they have gone back into the world, and many of them, in fact, I would say not some of them, many of them, were actually killed by the enemy and many of them died horrible death. Because we're not playing games. We're in a place where there's an enemy. When we talk about the enemy, there is the enemy of our souls and he is playing for keeps. We have to understand that. It's not a game that he's playing. I mean, he is playing for keeps. There is somebody that wants to destroy us. There is somebody that wants us to be lost for eternity. So we have to understand that this is not a game, but this is serious business that we're involved in. And this morning, the people that are going to make it out of this place, the ones that are going to make it, now, you have a tremendous opportunity. I mean, the opportunity is there before you. I mean, you're involved in a ministry that is right now, we're, we're in the prime of our ministry right now. This is this is not even, in fact, we're, not, we're just scratching the surface of what God wants to do. You are in a place of opportunity. Doesn't matter what walk of life you come from. There was a time that when I got saved, uh, junkies didn't have the opportunity to really excel in ministry. I mean, we were like second-class citizens. When I got saved, even when I went to Bible school, I was considered like a second-class citizen. Some of the guys would make fun of me. Hey, man, could I give my testimony? I got tracks, too. You know, this kind of stuff, you know. Some of the square guys, you know. And then also, they didn't trust drug addicts. They felt drug addicts could only go up so far, and you can't put them in a responsible place because they can't be trusted. You know. So we really didn't have the opportunity. I mean, we had a... We had to go out and believe God and believe that God was going to establish the ministry. This is why God established the ministry of Victory Outreach, so he could confound the wise and so that he could show the world that he's able to take the foolish things of the world and confound the wise. And now the Lord has raised up so many. I know guys in our fellowship that couldn't read or write. God is using them tremendously, giving them a powerful church, giving them a powerful message, giving them a powerful anointing. It's a proven fact that God is doing something special in this last hour that he's living in, and we are part of the end thrust that God is, is bringing to this world. Somehow, by his grace and by his mercy, he has raised up the ministry of Victory Outreach that you're part of this morning. So, you can't say that there isn't any opportunity. Because if you look around and look at all the pastors in our fellowship, you're able to identify with them. They come from all walks of life. Many of them come from lives of uh, junkies and there were failures in life. They 
They didn't have anything going for them before. They didn't have the qualifications that other people have to have to get into a ministry and other organizations. But it was God that raised them up because they placed themselves in the hands of God. Even some of the best preachers that we have in our fellowship never even went to a Bible school. But it was God through the school of heart knocks and through neology as they got down and as they prayed and as they sought the mind of God, God was the one that was able to raise them up. And the Lord has given them revelation and the Lord has given them insight and the Lord is using them in such a tremendous and powerful way. So if ever you have been in a place of opportunity, you're in a place of opportunity this morning. You're right in the midst of fire. And if you can't make it in the midst of fire, there is no excuse for any one of you this morning not to make it. There isn't any excuse for any one of you this morning to not be on fire for God. Because the challenge is before us. The challenge is before us and God is challenging us. And I mean, what more do you want to see? And we see now God thrusting us out into the four corners of the world. And junkies. Me, Raul, when he came in, was a junkie, man. Oh, he's only been saved eight years. What did he know about God? All he knew was, man, I got a bad Jones. I got a habit. I need deliverance. I need to be set free. He came in, and Brother Rudy got a hold of him, laid hands on him. Brother Rudy, where does Brother Rudy come from? What university did he come from? Brother Rudy comes from the University of the Holy Spirit. That God raised him up. And what Rudy got a hold of and what God deposited in his heart, he took it and deposited it in the heart of Raul. And then Raul has done likewise. And now Raul is going into another culture, into another place. He'll be coming back speaking Dutch. And he'll be coming back with a whole lot of Dutch people and Moroccans and Africans and all kinds of people that he's going to bring back souls that have been saved. Why? Because it was a man that dedicated himself and yielded himself and believed that God was able to work the impossible. We have tremendous examples before us. So there's no limit. I mean, you, you shouldn't be in a pity party. You don't have to be a little weakling. You don't have to be an habitual backslider. You don't have to be someone that's up one day and down the other day. Listen, you're in a move of God that God is raising up giants, and God wants to make you a spiritual giant. So if there was ever an opportunity, we're in a time of opportunity. Now... This is a tremendous example of what God was able to do with David. You know what David did? David got cold. And that always happens when you get cold. Kind of got comfortable, complacent. He stayed in Jerusalem and wanted to kick back. And we know there's no kicking back in God. He wanted to kick back, take it easy. I'm going to take it easy. Kick back. He went ahead and kicked back. He fell. He fell with a woman. Fell into adultery. After he had fallen into adultery, not only did he commit the sin of adultery, but you know what he did after that? Then he started scheming. And then after he fell, he said, I got to get myself out of this mess now. See, once you start messing around with sin, you get entangled. Sin always brings about bondage. This is what the enemy's 
always out to do. He's always trying to get us in a place of bondage. He messed around. He fell into sin. He fell with a woman. He fell into bondage. And then he tried to scheme his way out of it. And the more he tried to unravel the situation, the more entangled he got. So what did he do? He fell into another sin and he committed murder. Got a hold of the woman's husband and got, you know the story. I don't have to really brought him down. He figured if I could get him down here, he's in the battlefield. I'll get him down here. I'll let him go with his wife and she's pregnant. But then after he's going to think that that's his baby. So I'm, I'm out of this scene. You know, I, I got myself out of it. You know, he was scheming. But the husband had too much integrity. The husband had more integrity than David at the time, and says, I am not going to do that. My men are out on the battlefield, and I'm not about to have a good time. He says, I won't do it. And instead of going back to his house, he stayed. He even got the guy drunk. The guy still didn't go with his wife. And then David, when he realized he was really in a jam, the situation was getting worse, what did he do? He had the man, and he put him out on the front line, and he had him killed. He said, Take You're listening to Living in Victory with Pastor Sonny Argonzoni, your weekly podcast. I know you're enjoying today's message. We would love to hear how these podcasts are blessing your life. Connect with us today at SonnyArgonzoni.org. He said, take him somewhere where they are kill him so I could get rid of this problem. Did he get rid of the problem? No, he didn't get rid of the problem. Because all along, David forgot to realize, he forgot to take into consideration that there's a God that sees all, and there's a God that knows all. See, we cannot get away with secret sins. You may get away with it from the pastor. I may not know it. You know, we could have something on the side and do some secret sins and, and try to bury them and get away with it. But God sees it all. You can't get away with it. You may get away with it for a time. Seemingly, it may seem that you're getting away with it for a time. But eventually, the Bible says, Be sure your sins will find you out. God will not be mocked. And what happened with him? Well, we all know the story. He went ahead, and then there was the prophet that came. The prophet pointed his finger, exposed him, and says, Thou are the man. In other words, David, I know all about it. Not only do I know all about it, but God knows all about it. And because of that, the judgment of God is coming upon you. But I'll tell you this. You know one of the good qualities of David? The reason why David was able to make it and the reason why he got forgiveness was because David learned how to humble himself before God. See, he learned how to repent. The reason why God says he's a man after my own heart was because David was actually a meek man and he was a humble man. As soon as he realized that his sin was before the presence of God, as soon as his sin was exposed, you know what David did? David fell on his knees and he started crying out to God. Crying out to God. And you know that a broken and contrite heart, God will not despise. He knew how to repent. He knew how to get a hold of God. And I think that this is a lesson for us this morning. I would hate to see any of you after this retreat still harbor sin within your life. I would hate to see any of you leave this retreat this morning with unconfessed sin. 
You know what will happen if you walk out of this place with still unconfessed sin, that you have not confessed it, or that you have not dealt with it? You know what will happen? You will walk out of this place, and after being in this beautiful retreat, it will be of no effect. It will be like if, you, if nothing happened to you. I mean, there won't be any, you won't have any, you won't advance spiritually. There won't be any positive effect within your life because you have not dealt with the most important thing, which sin within your life. And this is why this last message, what I want to do is I want to come and I want to cinch it that somehow the Holy Spirit will bring it home that you'll be able to take care of it, that you'll be able to deal with it, that we will be able to take that sin and just lay it on the cross of Calvary, confess it before God, and walk out of this place and say, I know that I missed the clean now because I, I know that I have confessed my sins and my sins have been forgiven. And this is what David had. David knew how to deal with his sin. And my friend, I'll tell you, it's so important to be able to take an examination of ourselves. It's so important to judge ourselves. Where are you this, this morning? Where are you this morning? How is your life before God? Are you happy the way you are? Or are you in a place of, of, of complacency? Or are you living a lie? Are you putting up a front? Have you taken your sins and buried them? That's what happened to Achan. We find that in the Old Testament. Achan went ahead and he buried his sin. And as he buried his sin, then God stopped moving in their behalf. Not only did it affect his life, but it affected all of Israel. You see, your life will also affect the lives of other people as well. It's not only your life, it affects your family, it affects your children, it affects your church, it affects your brothers and sisters as well. And what happened with Achan? He hid his sin. But like the Bible says, be sure your sins will find you out. Whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Well, David, it's encouraging. David received forgiveness. And David was restored. The same way David was restored, God is able to restore you this morning. If you were a backslider and you've been a backslider and you have failed God time and time again, you could purpose within yourself that this retreat, this is going to be the last time. You could honestly say and declare yourself and say, you know, Brother Sonny, I've been a backslider, but I want to declare to you, I want to declare to this assembly,
You say, no matter what comes my way, though they kill me, yet will I serve them. They kill me, let them kill me, but I'm still going with Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. I'm not turning back, no matter what happens to me. If the pastor don't like me, I'm still going to stay in church. If they throw everything at me, I'm still going to stay in church. The devil could throw everything he wants to throw at me, but he's not going to get me away because I love Jesus, and I'm going to serve Jesus, and I'm going to follow him for the rest of my life. That's the type of determination that we need. You need to get some guts in you. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you guys that, you're flaky, flaky guys. And the reason why I'm speaking to you like that is because there's a bunch of guys that have been flakes in this place. You've been flakes, spiritual flakes. You've been kicked around and slapped around by the enemy. You've been abused. And it's about time that you're able to stand up on your feet this morning and make a declaration and once and for all declare yourself and say, I'm going all the way with Jesus Christ and I'm never going back again. And you could have that assurance. It may seem like I'm preaching a little strong, but the reason why I'm preaching strong is because we've been talking about men and that's what we want in Victory Outreach. We want men. As long as I'm around, the old, the old ladies ain't going to be running this ministry. <laughs> Woo. The men are the ones that are going to run this ministry. The men are the ones that are going to lead this ministry because it's God's plan to raise up men, men of God. And that's what God wants to do in your life. And the only way you'll be, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that, it doesn't matter how bad you are in the world, you know, how much you fight, how, how, how many heads you've broken. The important thing is, is how much of a man of God are you this morning? Have you submitted? Have you dedicated? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ fully? And this is what God wants. God wants broken people that are willing to break before his presence. A broken and contrite heart he will not despise. Now, let me share with you that he was spared, David. God forgave him. And if God forgave him, God is able to forgive any of you. Now, let me tell you about another man now. And what does it take to be able to be that man that God wants you to be? Well, I'll tell you what it takes. Let's look at, at the Apostle Paul and let's take a look at him now. And I'm going to cut this short, but I want to zero in on this. Now, here we have another man that I am able to identify with because he was a man that had a miraculous conversion. God got a hold of him. He didn't get saved in a church. He got saved in the streets. Hallelujah. God got a hold of him while he was in the street, while he was walking on the Damascus Road. God apprehended. You know what he says? He was apprehended of the Lord. I like that. He says in, to, writing to the Philippians, he says, listen to what he said. I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. And he says, brethren, I cannot myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Listen to the attitude he had. If you want to learn something about how you could be an overcomer. If you want to learn how you could be a man of God, you take this man as an example. He says, 
forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. See, you know what the Apostle Paul understood? That he was in a race against time. And that if he was going to please God, he had to exercise self-discipline and maximize his time and make every moment and every day count for the glory of God. You know that I understand, I identify with the Apostle Paul. You know what I've been thinking lately? I take a look at my life and I say, I wonder how many years I got left. How many good years I have left. And you know, you ever think about dying that if the Lord will call you now, are you ready? I think about that. I say, you know, especially when I get some pains or, you know, something. I said, oh, God, you know, this could be the big one now, you know, something like that. And, and you think about it and you say, am I ready? Well, I know as far as the sin question, that's settled. But when I think about the work, I say, no, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And I, I, I look and I think and I say, well, have I given everything to God? Have I really deposited everything over to God? Have I made myself available the way that God wants me to be available unto Him? And there are many times that I say, no, there's still a lot of areas that are lacking within my life. And I say, Lord, please, not now. I am not ready. I've been talking to some of our ministers, and I talked to them last night. We stayed up till about close to 3 o'clock in the morning. You know what we were talking about? About the things of God. We're talking about the ministry. You know what I was telling them? I said, man, we got 10 good years. Within 10 years, if Jesus tarries, if we give ourselves fully to the work of God, if we dedicate ourselves, if we serve God with all of our might and be those uh, servants of God that God wants us to be, our ministry is going to make an impact within this entire world. We will see a revival like we have never experienced before in all of our days and in all of our lives. In fact, let me tell you that in five years we'll begin to see the impact. But in 10 years, we will make such an impact that, in fact, there will be many continents that will be revolutionized. You know why? Because there were a group of people that were uh, simple enough to believe God and to believe that God was able to make an impact in the sin-sick world. Those are the type of people that God is looking for. And this is the type of person the Apostle Paul was. This is why he was able to touch continents. This is why the Apostle Paul, man, you talk about a guy that was mightily used of God. He was mightily used of God. And because of the attitude that he had, because of the quality of relationship with Jesus Christ that he had, he wasn't playing church. His experience was not a nominal experience. His experience was a dynamic experience. He was sold out for Jesus Christ. He was a fanatic. He was addicted to the ministry of the saints. That's the type of man the Apostle Paul was. In every place, every area, he said, forgetting those things which are behind. Then he also goes on, and you could even read in some of the uh, scriptures of how, what he spoke about. He, he was constantly, he was saturated with that he wanted to do the will of God within his life. That's what he wanted to do. He says, Know ye not that they which run a race run all, but one receiveth the price, so run that ye may obtain. 
Then he also said in other places that he was not beating the air. You know, in other words, he wasn't just going ahead and beating the air, but he was after something. He says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. You know what he dreaded? He dreaded that after preaching to so many people and working in the ministry, that one day he would be disapproved of God. That he would be a castaway. Or that he would be a backslider. Or that he would fall by the wayside. Or that he would be disobedient to the heavenly calling that God had given unto him. My friend, this morning I want to share with you, and I conclude by this, that... I can't overemphasize to tell you that we are involved in serious business. Now, I know that our church don't understand it all. You know, when I talk about tithes and giving of your tithes, and let everybody answer, they sit back and, oh, why is the pastor emphasizing that? When I talk about world evangelism, not everybody's plugged into it. There are people that come and just want to hang out in church. They come as like a bless me club. We, all the pastors have that. All, it doesn't matter what church. There's always people like that within the church. But I'll tell you what God is doing. God is separating a people. God is calling out a people. And God is separating a people. And there are people that God is raising up that are beginning to believe it. There are people that are beginning to tune in and saying, you know what, what Pastor Sonny's been talking about, what Brother Raul is talking about, what Philip LaCruz is talking about, what all these preachers are talking about, you know what, I am beginning to believe it, and I believe that it is possible, and I believe that this is of God, and I believe that it's going to happen. And this is what God is doing. God is raising up a people that are willing to sacrifice themselves and give of themselves and become the man of God or the men of God that God wants them to be. Now this morning, before you leave, there are some of you that have to settle that sin question. You've heard preaching, but if you don't apply it, it will be of none effect to you. I mean, some people have been sitting, some people sit under heavy preaching and nothing happens to them. The reason why nothing happens to them is because they don't apply it. See, you have to take the Word of God and apply it. Where does it apply? Where do I hurt? Man, and apply it to your hurt. And as you do that, then you'll begin to see that there'll be a healing that'll begin to take place in your life. And this morning, there are some of you here that need to settle it once and for all and give the devil notice this morning and confess it once and for all that you have decided to follow Jesus there's no turning back, no turning back. Just like Job said, though they slay me, though he slay me, yet will I serve him, yet will I trust him. This is the type of attitude that we need. And this is the type of men that God is raising up within the outreach. Now, this may sound radical, but this type of message is a message that I find in the Word of God. You could call it, we call it radical now because of the, uh, the uh, nominal condition of many of our churches. This is a radical message. But this is not a really radical message. This is the message that is in the Word of God. That's the type of message that God has for us this morning. 
And there are some of us that need to repent. There are some of us that need to get a hold of God. There are some of us that need to confess and say, Lord, I've blundered it all. I've been like David. I've been a backslider. I've been selfish. I've not been faithful to you. You know that if God can't trust you, he will never deposit anything to you. He will never give you a responsibility if he can't trust you. And if you're a backslider... And if you're a defector, he will never be able to give you responsibility because you can't be trusted. Until you come to that place of saying, no, Lord, I want you to trust me because with all my might, I'm going to serve you and I'm dedicating and I'm yielding my life and I'm going all the way and there's no turning back. I've made a decision. I've made a decision, a decision once and for all that I know that it will count for eternity. That's the type of decision that God wants from you this morning. I'm going to ask our brethren to come up here and play on the piano. I felt that we needed to deal with the sin question and we could deal with ministry, but there's no ministry unless you deal with this. There's no ministry unless you come to grips with this. And it's so very important to come to grips with it this morning. If the Apostle Paul was able to make it, then my friend, we're able to make it. We're able to make it. We have the same Jesus. We have the same calling. We have a mission that God has given unto us. And what I'm going to ask you to do, I'm going to, I want some of you men. If this message has challenged you to step out and grow in your faith and walk in your victory, we would like to give you an opportunity to help someone who at this moment is in need for that victory in their life. You can make the difference by contributing a special gift to help us reach a hurting soul. Go to SonnyArganzoni.org and make your special love gift. Be sure to continue to listen to Living in Victory with Pastor Sonny Argonzoni on Spotify and iTunes.